0: If you are shortchanging your sleep, you are not doing yourself any favors. Sleep is essential for health today. Tips on getting better sleep. Hi, everyone. You know, I've been podcasting for over a year now, and one of my top rated podcasts is episode number three, Must Have Tips for Better and Restful Sleep with Susie Cohen. It is still available, by the way, and you'll find that link in the show notes today I want to go even deeper as sleep is like food and water. It is one of life's essentials. But today more than ever, I hear people telling me that they just can't get quality sleep. Why? Well, there are many reasons and we're going to get into those today as well. My guest is Colin Espy. He has been researching sleep and sleep problems for over 30 years. He is one of the world's leading authorities on sleep. He is on the education and sleep medicine committees of the European Sleep Research Society. He's the membership chair of the World Sleep Federation and leads its insomnia task force. Before we get started, would you do me a favor and hit subscribe in whatever podcast app you are listening in? It would mean so much to me. Also, your reviews are very much appreciated as that is how others know that what I am doing here is quality work. Thank you very much. And now my conversation with sleep expert, Colin Espy. Colin, thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. Sleep is one of the topics that I have requested the most by my listeners and viewers. So many people struggle with sleep. Why do you think that's so?
1: Well, thank you Natalie. it's great to speak to you. And and, and to talk about sleep, it probably is humanity's favorite subject, isn't it? Mm. If only we could get more of it and better quality sleep. And I think we, I think one of the reasons it's so, it's so dominant in our minds is because it's something that can become an issue at any age or stage in our life. If you get a new baby at home, you know, if you've got things in your mind at work, if you get a teenager who can't get up to go to school and can't get to sleep at night, if you're struggling yourself through pressure at work and, and later in life when your sleep seems to fragment more, you know, it's, it's always a challenge to sleep well because it is nature's provision for us when it isn't working well. That it really does upset us. It's, it's almost like I can't find any food. I can't find drinking water. You know, it's one of life's essentials. So therefore, when we're not sleeping well, it really does trouble
0: us. Well, I know that this has been a focus of your life for many, many years. Why did you decide to dive deep into sleep topics?
1: Curiosity, I think. Clinical curiosity, if I take you back 40 years, when I first qualified clinically in the early months, a primary care doctor said to me one day, Colin, can you not do anything to help these people who can't sleep? Because as a mental health specialist, I was seeing people with mental health problems like anxiety, depression or whatever. And it never had occurred to me until that point that sleep was kind of part of that family, you know, that we need sleep for our emotional health. And I said to him, you know, I don't really know. I, I I didn't really know we hadn't had much teaching or training about sleep or its disorders way back then and even still I think it's still a bit of a neglected topic and I said send me a few send me a few patients and that's how it got started just clinical curiosity
0: do you think in the years that you've studied sleep that people struggle with it more today than they did 30 40 years ago
1: I think it evolves you know I think compared to 30 or 40 years ago there are probably more and more people working 24-7 because it's possible to do so with the internet, for example. Mm-hmm. I think each generation brings fresh challenges. If we, if we, I, I'm old enough to remember gas lighting, at least in some streets in, in the UK. It wasn't the norm, but there were still a few left around. And what that tells us is, is even electric light is a relatively recent invention. So the ability to stay awake, to work, you know, hours of darkness is is within recent history, within the last hundred Mm -hmm. years or so. And then of course, within the last 20 years, we have this 24 seven society. So I think things evolve uh, and in each uh, generation, there is a fresh challenge, I think for sleep because sleep becomes no less important. It it, remains hugely important.
0: Hey everyone, it's Natalie. I am excited to let you know that I'm opening up spaces for collaboration and advertising and sponsorship on this podcast and on my YouTube channel. If you're a brand looking to grow in the wellness, family, or mindfulness spaces, I would love to collaborate with you. You can find a link to get in touch with me in the show notes, and you can always find out more about what I'm up to on natalietisdell.com. Well, you mentioned when you have a new baby at home, of course, it's a cycle, but also the pressures to work and work, as you also mentioned, 24-7. But what are the biggest culprits you see that affect our sleep? I know mental health. Are the devices and electronics as big of an issue as we hear often in our ability to sleep well? Well,
1: I'll maybe suggest uh, two or three things I think are really, really key. Uh, I think as a society, we don't value and prioritise sleep enough. Now, for people who don't sleep well, they may say, huh, to that. I give it every opportunity. But thinking, first of all, to answer your question, as a society, I think we run a bit fast and loose with sleep. Mm -hmm. And we see it as a bit of a commodity. How can I manage to fit in as little as possible because I'm so busy? And important, and we fail to realise that it's our sleep that actually does a lot of our work for us. Yeah, you know that we need our sleep in order to function. Yeah, you know. So I think you know, we over over my career, I've seen the importance of things like diet and exercise oh. emerge as as, men, as as topics for medical discussion. And um, whereas historically, no one would ever have discussed your exercise regime with you or, or your diet. You know, that's not what doctors did. But it's become recognised that, it, you know, these things underpin good health. And I think sleep is now getting into that same kind of position, Natalie, of being seen as, ah, huh? you know, this is so important. So one thing is, is the importance of, of sleep and prioritising it. But I think for those who do try to prioritise it, the main struggle they have is with the racing mind. I mean, most people will yeah. say that, yes. you know, if asked, you know, why do you think you can't sleep? They'll say, I feel exhausted physically, uh, but my mind doesn't let me sleep. You it know, won't so down.
0: And even yeah. when you wake up in the middle of the night, I know many people who uh, tell me, and I have struggled with this too, I wake up and, and then your mind starts going, you can't get back to sleep. And it's two o'clock in the morning and you want more than anything to sleep.
1: Yes. And, and I think one of the, you know, the, the, this lets into one of the secrets of why cognitive behavioral therapy is the best solution for insomnia. It's a recommended uh, treatment f- worldwide. Okay, so uh, back for- up just a moment.
0: That was my next question. Tell us what cognitive behavioral therapy is and how that can help people. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I, I want to take a step back and really dive into that.
1: Yeah, so so the the recommended uh, treatment for a sleep difficulty, like insomnia, that's a difficulty getting to sleep, or a difficulty getting back to sleep, uh, is something called cognitive behavioural therapy. And the secret is in the, those initials. C for cognitive, dealing with the racing mind, the the, the primary enemy, if you like, uh, of, of sleep. And B, the behavioural bit, which is really, what, what should I be doing? You know, what, what is my routine meant to be? And by putting solutions to the racing mind and and the call to action together, you get something called CBT. And the the reason it works is uh, very, very simple. And that is that the secret isn't the term falling asleep. You fall asleep. You don't get to sleep. Mm -hmm. And I think what happens is when we develop insomnia, we try to get to sleep. We try to make it an active process. We try to take control of the situation. Uh, and then we try to fix it. And actually by trying to fix it, and we, we become more preoccupied with it, and we get into this vicious cycle of the harder I try I try to sleep, the more awake I become, the more frustrated I get. Even as we talk about it, we can wow. begin to feel it happening. What happens is we get more mentally aroused, then we get more physiologically aroused, and then we realize I can't get to sleep now. Yeah.
0: yeah. And
1: yet the person who's sleeping well is no expert. You know, they are they have fallen asleep, it's happened to them. So what CBT does is it addresses these psychological barriers to sleep. You know, having the right behavioral pattern in place. We see that with young kids as well, getting them into a pattern and, and dealing with this racing mind. It deals with those things and then removes psychology from the equation and allows us to sleep naturally. You know, so that it's actually if anything, a struggle to remain awake, which is what the good sleeper is experiencing, that they, they just need to get to get to bed and they drop over and then you know, they find it hard to hard to remain awake. And that's what we've tried to do with CBT, is to get people with sleep problems back into that frame of mind and into that very strong behavioral pattern.
0: So it makes sense, I understand it, but how does it work? What do you do? Um, how do you work with someone in CBT?
1: Well, what you do first of all is you you figure out what their sleep pattern is like at the moment. And often we work out something called your sleep efficiency. So, if I if if you don't mind, I'll ask you then, Natalie. Mm -hmm. I mean, how long are you spending in bed? You know, what's your typical length of time to spend in bed? And secondly, how much of that time are you actually asleep?
0: Okay. So, this is interesting. I've mentioned to you, and many of my listeners know that I did a morning show for many years. So, my sleep was terrible. And I felt the effects of that. I started my own business in this podcast. So now a year later, I'd say I'm typically in bed for eight to nine hours Mm -hmm. of that. I fall asleep very quickly Mm
1: -hmm. within
0: 10 minutes. So probably asleep for eight of those nine hours. However, often a few times a week, I will wake up in the middle of the night and my mind starts. I get yeah. lists going, of what I need to do. To so,
1: yeah. so yeah. So th- th- this is perfect, right? So here we have you um, as being mostly a good sleeper, but occasional have difficulty sleeping, which I guess is is normal. We all have that from time to time. So your sleep efficiency there. If you're sleeping eight out of nine hours, you know, if we if we express that as a percentage, we're talking about somewhere probably towards ninety yes. percent of of your of your night you're asleep. So you're a good sleeper, but commonly. People with insomnia might only sleep, uh, you know, half of that.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, four and a half of that, or they might not even, you know, if they're not, might not go to bed for nine hours. But let's suppose they're in bed for eight hours. They might only be sleeping six, which is seventy-five mm-hmm. percent. Which means you get twenty-five percent of your time lying in bed to do that thinking. Mm-hmm. And that upset that you know on those occasional nights when you don't sleep well, Natalie, is a horrible experience mm-hmm. and and a, it becomes like a vicious cycle of being unable to get to sleep. So what we do with CBT is we try to reduce, now this may seem counterintuitive, but we try to reduce the amount of time people are spending in bed initially. Because your natural instinct, if you're not sleeping enough, is to go to bed for longer. But all that does is it increases the length of time in bed and reduces that percentage figure. Right. So what we actually do is say spend a shorter period. We call it's called sleep restriction or sleep compression, and you spend a shorter period of time in bed for a period of time, so that your ability to sleep so kind of catches up with the time you're spending in bed. So at the end, you begin to experience of oh, I've got to wait up till till that time to go to bed. I've got to go up that time in the morning. You know that you know that doctor's keeping me awake. I could sleep longer if it wasn't for him. <laughs> and then you th- Really, right? So then you realize that the, your your street your sleep drive, this, mm-hmm. this drive to sleep is becoming kind of powerful again and it, and it becomes difficult to resist sleeping. And in, in parallel with with that, we begin to address the racing mind, the, 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 the things that get in the way of of being able to you, know, you relax your thinking and put things out of your mind. And there's a number of techniques that I can explain for that and that includes before you go to bed, you know, doing that kind of housekeeping in your mind, putting the day to rest. You know, getting ready for bed is not just putting your jammies on, but getting ready for bed is, you know, closing the book on the day, you know, reviewing yeah, that's great, things of great cabin, way
0: to look at it. Yeah.
1: planning yeah. ahead, making adequate preparations so that you've offloaded things that are otherwise just gonna pop up in your head right.
0: at night. Make your list yeah. of what you're doing the next day so you're not doing it like me in the middle of the night.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. and then when you go to bed, um, flicking the mental switch and instead of trying to get to sleep try to remain awake now you're going to bed remember for a a period of time that's shorter than you were before you're sleepier so what we want you to discover is that sleep is very powerful Mm -hmm. and and that actually falling asleep when you're trying to remain awake is actually the ultimate remedy for insomnia because you think sleep is powerful, you begin to recognize that again. And in fact, it's what good, normal good sleepers are typically doing. They get to the point that they're yawning and they yeah. need to get to a bed and, and they realize that sleep is powerful and then they just fall asleep when they go to bed because sleep has overtaken them. They have fallen
0: asleep. Mm, right. so we, need yeah. to
1: get, we need to get the people who good insomnia away from this trying to get to sleep into this falling asleep. And the way you do that is go to bed when you're sleepy try to remain awake with your eyes open and you begin to yawn You behind it and you just wanna put the light and go to sleep.
0: Yeah, Let me ask you uh, about a few things. If you could briefly comment on these, how they affect sleep, because I think they are things people go to to try to sleep and they either are helping or they're not. Number one, sleep medication.
1: Well, sleep medication is a very kind of short term solution to a sleep problem. They're very, very commonly available and commonly prescribed. But probably a lot of listeners will be very surprised to know that they are not recommended for insomnia that's longer than a month or two. You know, if you've had difficulty sleeping for more than a month or two, you should, you know, the, the ideal is that you get access to cognitive behavioral therapy, not not sleeping pills because they're not that effective, their, their benefits wear off quite quickly if you use them frequently. And they do not give you a normal night's sleep. They change what we call the architecture of your sleep. The components of sleep are not quite normal. And for some of these medications, they also, you also have withdrawal effects or side effects. You know, But of course, they're used commonly because nothing else is available. Someone is uh, desperate, yeah. Yes, and this is one, this is one of the reasons that in, in the last 10 years or so, I've been involved in developing a digital form of CBT uh, that is something you can follow on an app or on a, a website, which takes these cognitive behavioral techniques and helps you to apply them in your life to get the benefit, and to, and to is a way of also delivering clinical guideline care. I should say that it's very very important that when one considers your know, treatment options, you know, for insomnia, one is thinking of you know differentiating. You know, apps from apps in the same way as one differentiates pills from pills. Mm. You know, if you if you go into the, the drugstore and just buy something, uh, then of course that that may or may not work. But you know that's that's something you've chosen chosen to buy. Yeah. It, it's maybe a lifestyle kind of thing, or maybe a vitamin or it, it may be a homeopathic thing. But it's not the same um, as if you like a you know a medicine for the for the problem. So people understand the difference between pills and pills, and I think it's going to in time become the same with these kind of apps that are available some of them will be evidence-based you know and, and and will have clinical trials research behind them that make them recognized in clinical guidelines as effective and others are you know things that you're free to use of course but they don't necessarily come with that kind of you know expectation that they're going to benefit you
0: yeah. Well, that's fascinating. And, I, and we're going to talk in a moment about where people can find that and find more about you. But I, I want to rapid fire a couple of other things and get your take on them. Yeah. Um, electronics, having uh, our phones near us in our bed or watching shows while we're in bed. Talk about that for a moment.
1: Yes. So this is a relatively modern phenomenon, mm-hmm. but perhaps in the past it was a book. Uh, or even a telephone. Remember that thing, mm-hmm. a <laughs> telephone at the bedside. Often people have had their telephones in their bedrooms, and, and of course they're in every hotel room. You know, so so these things, if you like, are, are are there to distract us, you know, from the primary purpose of the bed or the bedroom, which is to sleep. And you you know, I think nowadays the the challenges, mm-hmm. particularly for many young people, is is that they're engaged in social activities, so you have to break the social group norm to say, "Sorry, guys, I, I need to, I need to get some shut eye now. I need to, I need to lie down and get to sleep." That can be difficult to do in the same way as it might be difficult to leave a party early, <laughs> you know, to, to be the party pooper says, "Look, I need to get home," you know. So you've got these social factors, you know, are part of it. I think, and of course, you might be interacting with people in other time zones as well who, who might not actually ready for bed at that point, and and a lot of the games that people engage in are very stimulating. I think those things are probably more important, to be honest, Natalie, than, for example, the fact that the devices emit light. That can also also be a factor because uh, our circadian rhythm, our biological clock, is influenced by exposure to to light, and and the brighter it is, uh, the the more um, alerting effect there is in the brain. But I think, you you know the you know, emphasizing the other things I think they're commonly over overlooked, which is really the the arousal associated with the the enjoyment of the interaction, the game, uh, and and the and the difficulty of withdrawing from it. It would be best if people could leave their devices in another room, and it shouldn't really matter if you're going to bed when you're sleepy and you're going to sleep anyway. And so therefore, I think people with insomnia can use the devices as a bit of a crutch because it gives you something to do when you can't sleep. Um, and, and I have every sympathy with that. But for most people, that isn't actually solving the problem. It's just you know continuing the problem. Uh, and, and that's where the CPT thing comes in really to establish my best sleep pattern, help me to get it.
0: So a, a few other things I want to ask you about and how they affect sleep, or if, they, if you think they, they're not as big of a deal as we often hear, one being different types of foods and the next being alcohol.
1: Yes, well, alcohol is easy. Uh, let, let's deal with it first because alcohol has a, a sedative effect. So therefore it makes us drowsy and it can actually help us to fall asleep more quickly and of course that is part of the difficulty because then if you've got a problem with your sleep you you may quite easily find that having a drink helps you to get to sleep but if you were in my sleep lab I would be able to show you that the sleep that you got under alcohol uh, is not a normal sleep. Uh, One of the things that alcohol does for example is it reduces what's called REM sleep, rapid eye movement sleep or dreaming sleep which is actually very very important for our emotional health and for consolidation of our memory functions uh, and alcohol in her system can abolish REM sleep and then once the alcohol begins to work out of her system towards the end of the night you get a surge, a rebound effect and there's REM sleep which can lead, if you've had a lot to drink, um, uh, to, to dreams or even of quite a nightmarish Quality, so, so alcohol has effects and has known effects on sleep, but none of those would be seen as therapeutic. You know, no doctor would recommend the use of alcohol. Now, f- food is interesting. I think the most important thing for me to say about food is when you eat and the amount you eat, rather than kind of worrying too much about exactly what it is you eat. We talk about, you know, our body clock, and we think of our sleep-wake cycle. But the whole of our bodies you know, are follow, follow what's called a circadian rhythm. And that also relates to, for example, when we eat. All the organs in the body have this body clock function, and there's an ideal time for us to eat, uh, and there's a non-ideal time for us to eat. Um, so therefore, we shouldn't be eating too much before we go to bed. And quite often with people's very compressed lives, very busy lives, they're working late and they're getting the kids to bed and they're not settling down, you know, they're very tired. They're not settling down for something proper to eat until really quite late on. And the body's still got to digest all this food uh, uh, during sleep. And that can interrupt uh, its sleep. So if possible, try to get into a sleep pattern as well as an eating pattern regular mealtime pattern and that's the best advice I could give there also if people are overweight uh, uh, or obese they they tend to have poorer sleep and poorer sleep tends to lead to less good metabolism uh, of of your food at night and so you get this vicious cycle as well some foodstuffs do have stimulant properties like like chocolate has got quite a lot of caffeine in it so you know so one needs to be careful about the amount of caffeine
0: when what is the ideal uh, amount of time to give yourself to eat before you go to sleep? Would it be a few hours?
1: Yeah, I, we're definitely talking hours and not not minutes. So
0: two hours um, before bedtime or? Yeah, do
1: you, do you know what I would encourage, I want to liberate people a little bit on this, because, because sometimes when you do these kinds of things, it feels like, you know, it's a ministry of no fun, right? <laughs> don't do this, don't do that. Do what you're told. Yeah, do you know what I mean? And it also feels that we're entering a kind of very rule based system. You know, I want to liberate people from that a little bit and and say to people, experiment, experiment, because we're not all the same. You know, we're all. We have individual differences, thank God. That, that's an important thing, right? And that includes our physical characteristics. The analogy I often give people is to think about your shoe size. I, I love to be in a big meeting room with 100 people and and I, 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 you know, say, I'm going to answer the question of how many hours sleep we should get. And, and everyone's waiting. What's it? He's the expert. He's going to know the right number. And I'll say, I don't know. I'll say, but I can tell you what the average might be because I can tell you what your average shoe size is. <laughs> you're not if you swap shoes, you're not going to be comfortable. That's true. It's it's one yeah. thing, that it, and you uh, and you find that out by trial and error. Yes, yeah. that's my point.
0: But what's so important about that? And I, I appreciate that you emphasize that because, as a health reporter for many years, I would always tell people, and to this day, I say you have to know yourself and your body, and you have to pay attention to it and not rely always on someone else. So experiment, mm. but then know I slept best when. I didn't yes. have a lot of alcohol and to note that and to do something about it instead of just following what someone else says is right for you.
1: Yes. And I, and I think perhaps in modern society, um, there's greater I, respect for people who've got a value-based system like that, that I choose not to eat this or I choose to have my meals at these times.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, 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 you know, you know, I when you know, as I was growing up, uh, my wife's a, a vegetarian, right? But it, it was almost like a, a strange species, right? Historically, you know, don't eat meat. There's something wrong with you. Whereas nowadays, you would never think of saying that, and and people are catered for, and and, and we have I think a better sized, a better you know, a right sized value around that. I'd love to be had the same about sleep that people were able to say, you know, you know, sorry, it's my my bedtime's coming up, or. You know, and people were able to be different from each other uh, and, and not feel they had to be the same. So, when it comes to like when you have your meals and when you go to bed, when you get up, what's the right amount of time to spend in bed? How much sleep do you actually need? Wouldn't it be great if we could all just discover that and be proud of being different?
0: Yeah, sure. Since starting my own business, I have discovered something I never knew I would enjoy so much. What is it? making my own graphics. Maybe you've seen my YouTube cover templates, Instagram quotes, and carousels, also Facebook infographics. Can I tell you how much fun I'm having and how easy it is to make these on Canva? I even do it on my phone, it's that easy. If you're looking for a simple way to make graphics for social media, maybe school, I'm a teacher as well, so I use it for that, or even for work, you're going to love Canva. There is a free version of the program, but the pro version, so worth it. It's $119 and you can also pay monthly. I share my designs with my team at school and at home where we collaborate on designs. And I'm going to give you 45 days free of Canva Pro. If you go to my website, natalietisdall.com slash favorites, just click on Canva. Once you get there, I may get a small commission if you purchase through this link, but that's just to keep my website and my podcast going. So thank you. Once again, natalietisdall.com slash favorites and click on Canva. Yeah. Especially if one takes the time to realize what's best for them, but they really document it.
1: Because yes. I
0: think a lot of people just say, well, my doctor said, or I read an article, or so and so, and, and then they, they just do that versus really knowing what's best, and when they feel best.
1: Yes. Yeah, I think that's a great, great point. You know, if people are, are doing this kind of experiment, then it is a kind of scientific method, yeah. as you're saying, and, and so therefore, people should be you know, without obsessing about it taking a few notes making a few observations and and you kind of discover you know through that and and if you went you know if we followed the analogy of your shoe size that's surely what would happen if you if you went to the, the shop uh, you know, and, and you didn't know your size you would try things on or they'd be measured and you would take a note of the measurement and oh, this is the size yeah, you know, sure. the shoe I need so when you go for a new shoe say what size are you sir then you not I said well I have no idea you, you've actually discovered that already. And, and it, may, it may be half an inch out here or there, but you know, that, you know, and you might try a few sizes and each time you, you, you're learning new information or you're consolidating old information. And the other thing is, of course, that our, our sleep shape and size may change as we get older. You you know, we're familiar with with that, of course, you know, a baby sleeping longer than a a school-aged kid or a teenager sleeping more than a young adult, and a young adult's probably sleeping more than an older adult, but we're more aware of these differences in early development than we think we grow up. And once we're grown up, it stops. But, but, of course, there are still changes in our body. you know, of course, there are lots of changes mm. going on. People's appetite changes as well as they get older. So we need to make adjustments to these observations and and we should find some we should see it as an exciting thing. We should do it as families as well. We should see the the importance of looking after sleep health as a family you know consideration the same ways we look up after you know our our diet at home or exercise regimes. And mm. we should encourage each other to to stick to you know, decisions that we've made rather than undermining them.
0: Yeah, most definitely. Okay. I know there are people listening who are thinking, okay, Colin, give me information on this app and where I can where I can learn a little bit more about the the program that you talked about and that type of yes. therapy. So tell us where we can find that.
1: Yeah, so so the company I I I co-founded is called Big Health. Uh, so bighealth.com you can see uh, and hear more about uh, our program, which is called Sleepio, uh, S-L-E-E-P-I-O. Uh, and actually it's available, you know, through quite a number of, you know, it depends who, who you work for, but quite a few of the employers actually make this available right. uh, to, to their staff at no cost. So that might be the, the, the most important thing to find out uh, in the first place, if, you, if you're if you eligible to, to uh, access it at no cost. There's also on there, incidentally, another Program called Daylight, which is for people who are anxious, and both of these programs have been through clinical trials, demonstrating that they have an e- what we call an evidence base, a clinical evidence base, to them. Another way you could access to to some of these techniques is I did recently publish a uh, the second edition of a book which I had first published in yeah, about fifteen years ago, and the publisher was saying you need to do a new edition of that, and it's just a paperback called Overcoming Insomnia. It's a second edition. And that's got a lot of these techniques in there uh, as well. But even, Natalie, on the basis of some of the things I've said in this uh, you know, podcast, there may be things that people can begin to try out and read up on. And as you were saying, try documenting things yourself to see what techniques are effective. The one thing I would say is that a lot of CBT seems like good common sense, which is great because common sense is not a bad thing. But don't underestimate how you might need to stick it and, and you, you know, a technique in order to make it work. Because once people have established a difficulty with their sleep, it can be a little bit stubborn, but it can be moved if you stick at these techniques you know, for a few weeks. I, uh, often insomnia problems will, will uh, resolve quite quickly if we're persistent in working at them. And, and if we don't let our frustration get the best of us, but really, you know, follow the pattern, just like we would do with a newborn baby, we will get there, we'll get uh, you there. Know, yeah. It, it, but it can be difficult to get them into a pattern. It can be the same with adults. But they do get it, we do get into patterns if, if sure we do. break the old ones and get them reestablished.
0: And just like anything else, with a little bit of discipline and dedication, I, I think the same thing with our habits and our diet and everything else. Yeah. It's yeah. not easy at first. It's not. You no know, one ever said it would be, but it'll pay off when you really pay attention to it and stay dedicated to it.
1: Yeah, and, and, and maybe one just thing, thing to add to that is um, just remember that your brain is much smarter than you are. <laughs> it, you know you imagine the size of your brain or your head would have to be if us being in control of every single memory every every single piece of learning mm. uh, that we actively managed it all the time of course we don't we don't need to because the brain is much smarter than that mm. you know we can hear each other just now right but we're not deliberately doing that the brain does that and during sleep the brain is repairing and resolving so many things for us and that's why sleep matters but also that the brain likes to be in patterns, likes us to be in rhythms and routines, because that's how it functions best. That's how it becomes efficient. So therefore, it's worthwhile spending that time to, to break old habits, establish new ones, stick to good routines. As you say, it does involve discipline. That's not a popular word nowadays, Natalie. Um, but it's very, very true, and it pays off for us.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you for the advice today, for the insight and your expertise. And I'll put those links of everything you mentioned in the show notes. So anyone who's interested can find them there. I appreciate you. Thank you for your time.
1: Pleasure. Pleasure, Natalie.
0: Thank you for joining the Natalie Tisdall podcast. You can follow along on Instagram and at natalietisdall.com. Subscribe to the show to catch every new episode and leave a review so I can continue to bring you fresh content. See you next week.